GameZillaMedia.com. It's time for the last action podcast. Pop quiz, hot shot. Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need. The need for speed. Kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome to this week's episode of The Last Action Podcast. I am LPJ, and I am joined by someone I will most likely murder in the future. Hovercraft Joe! Awesome. Uh, well, you know, I made, I made it pretty far without you murdering me, so, you know, it's bound to happen one of these days. Uh, how's it going, LBJ? Oh, pretty good, now that I'm thinking about murder. God, glad we don't do these podcasts in person anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, so we are, as uh, regular listeners know, uh, smack dab in the middle of... Uh, what's it called? Action movie month. Blockbuster. Action no, blockbuster. <laughs> Summer Blockbuster Month. It's summer blockbuster. I just I just show up and hit record. It's Summer Blockbuster summer Movie blockbuster Month. Jeez, oh, Pete's. I couldn't figure it out. You couldn't figure it out. You created this month. Lord, I know. Well, anyways, we are here to talk about Minority Report today, uh, which has a release date of June seventeenth, two thousand two. LPJ, this is your pick. Why don't you tell us about your history with it? I guess technically this is my pick. Yes. It's not technically. It is your pick. That's fair. You didn't veto it, though. It's true. I was worried. I vetoed one of your other movies for this month, and then we ended up talking about Gladiator. So So there you go. (laughs) Uh, So my history for this is, okay, it's 2002, right? Uh, You and I. (laughs) This is more more dramatic than you've ever been about any of your histories. It's called called filling time. (laughs) Um, uh, it's, It's 2002. It is the summer of 2002. We are out of college for for the summer. Um, and we, at that point in time, we generally went and saw pretty much whatever came out. Um, and I remember being very excited because, you know, it's a new Steven Spielberg movie. And we love Steven Spielberg. Uh, and it's Tom Cruise. And we love Tom Cruise. And they're working together on a great movie. And this... And it's super sci-fi. This is like a weird sci-fi movie, and I didn't expect uh, Steven Spielberg to make like a like a a, a a sci-fi movie like this one. Um, so I was excited to see it. I thought, you know, the marketing was great on it. Uh, it was, you know, promoted everywhere. Uh, and so we went and saw this opening night again. This is another opening night movie for us. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, uh, I will say this. I mean, everything you've said about it is true, and I don't think I've ever seen it since that night we saw it in the theaters. I don't own it, never watched it on TV, never caught it on cable. I've legit never seen it other than the one time we saw it in the theaters. See, I do. I own it on DVD, and I've seen it at least two more times. Okay. I guess counting this time that I just watched it two more times. Yeah, so I, I mean, like, I, I was familiar enough with, like, the idea of the movie, but I, I mean, like, as far as the plot, it was almost like watching it for the first time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I remember the bare bones, but... I remember really, I remembered really liking it. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't really have a strong opinion on it either way, and that might still be true, but tune in to the end of the episode to find out. Fair enough. Um, 
Okay. So this movie has a budget of $102 million, uh, domestic gross of $132 million, and a worldwide gross of $358 million. So pretty successful uh, movie uh, with a large budget, which makes sense given yeah, what's going on with But this. even still, like to look at this movie and see that budget, this movie got every ounce of that budget on screen. Like they really they really use their money well. Like it is, it looks like a much more expensive movie than, than, than what it, what it ended up being. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. I agree with you on that. Um, uh, it's got a Rotten Tomatoes of 90% and an audience score of 80%. I was kind of surprised by the 90%. I'm not, I'm definitely not only because of the type of movie this is. Um, I'm definitely not surprised by it. That's it. I thought you had more to say. <laughs> no, because I'll get into it. Well, because this movie is, you know, yes, it's a, uh, it's a movie that takes place in the future, and it's science fiction ish, um, but it's also very much a throwback. This is a, this is a techno neo noir film. It's it it's not it, it yes, there's action in it, but it is very much in the vein of like Blade Runner or. Um, you know any of those other you know any of those other noir films uh of the of the the 40s and 50s uh or the 50s um it is it's kind of a, it's a new it's an old school film with with um with kind of a new skin on it gotcha okay fair enough uh top grossing movies of 2002 this is a year we've been in quite a bit uh, lately even yeah so, uh, number one is Spider-Man, number two is Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and number three is Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. This movie comes in 17th in the domestic box office. Other movies we have covered in 2002 are number 12, Die Another Day, number 15, Triple X, number 21, The Born Identity, number 32, Blade Two number 64, Resident Evil, and number 99, The Transporter, and also uh, Equilibrium, which, if you recall, was not in the top 200 grossing films of the year, but it came out in 2002. Yep. Uh, Okay, cast of this movie, you mentioned uh, Tom Cruise already. Uh, Also have Colin Farrell, uh, Samantha Morton, uh, Max von Sydow, uh, Neil McDonough. That's kind of where I tap out with the people I know in this movie. Uh, Tim Blake Nelson's in it. He plays um, the guard in the pre-crime prison. Tim Blake Nelson is a uh, character actor. I'm trying to think what he's been in that a lot of people have seen. Um, I, he's been in a bunch of different things. You'd, you'd know him if you saw him. Uh, same thing with Peter Stormare. Peter Stormare is... Oh, I for, yeah, I forgot about Peter Stormare. I'm yeah, sorry. he's in, like, John Wick 2. He's in He's in a million different things. He's another guy. Um, I guess. Yeah, that's it. Frank Grillo. <laughs> Frank Grillo's in this? Yeah, it says he plays a pre-crime cop. I feel like he has a non-speaking role. Yeah. Oh, uh, I, oh, I forgot. Um, um, oh, God. Uh... Neil McDonough's in this too. Neil McDonough I, is like the second in I, command. I, I said Neil McDonough. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I, I said Neil McDonough. Yeah, I said Neil McDonough. Oh, sorry. Come on, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna miss Damien Dart. Give me well, a break. My, my apologies. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so you want to do some net worth? <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. You don't. You don't have a choice. You got to do it. 
Uh, first off is the aforementioned Neil McDonough, and he does have that sweet, sweet Damien Dark money. What do you think for Neil McDonough? Uh, he said that sweet, sweet Yellowstone money. He's got that sweet, sweet Dum Dum Dugan money. Um, oh yeah. Yep. Let's see. I'm gonna go. Let's see how do, how well I do this week. Last week was was pretty spot on for me. This week, I don't know. I'll go six million. Uh, seven million dollars. Oh, we're starting off hot. <laughs> Next up. Samantha Morton, I literally can't tell you anything else Samantha Morton has been in, but she's got sweet, sweet money from something. Yeah, she's got that sweet, sweet Walking Dead money. She's alpha uh, in the Walking uh, Dead. Yeah, I, I had given up on that show well before she showed up. But anyway, what fine. do you think? You don't miss what do you think for what do you think for Samantha Morton? I'm gonna go nine million. <laughs> Ten million dollars. There it is. Uh, okay, next up, uh, Colin Farrell. He's got that sweet, sweet The Batman money uh, playing the Penguin. Take it easy, sweetheart! Uh, that's what he says in that movie at one point. Anyways, what do you think for Colin Farrell? He's got that sweet, sweet remake of Total Recall money. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go... 20 million. Oh, jeez, $80 million. Ah! There goes your streak. There goes your streak. I Not even drank it all. Okay. Uh, next up, Tom Cruise. We've kind of covered him on the podcast before. What do you think for Tom Cruise? He's got that sweet, sweet Tropic Thunder Oh, money. you bastard. <laughs> that is literally what I was going to say. Uh, he's got that He's got that sweet, sweet, uh, not the voice of Captain Planet money. Um, I'm going to go... Uh, $250 million. $600 million for Tom Cruise. Really? $250 million was your guess? I lost it. I lost my mojo. I lost my mojo. Yes. Well, you're not going to do any better on this one than uh, just for shits and giggles. Steven Spielberg. What do you think Steven Spielberg's net worth is? Oh, we, we did this. He's got like... When, did we have, when would he have done this? Well, we did Jurassic Park. Uh, that was before that was before this segment existed because I was not on the podcast. Uh, we did it for something else too. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, he's got like it's something ridiculous, like one point two billion or something. Is that your official guess? Sure. Eight billion dollars for billion? Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Eight billion dollars for Steven Spielberg. Eight billion. Good lord. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not oh. crazy to think about all the stuff he's done. So, um, well, no, I guess suppose not. Not no, not you know, not with the, what DreamWorks does now and all that. Right. So, uh, as we just mentioned, this movie is directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, it's based on a short story by Philip K. Dick, and it's written by Scott Frank and John Cohen. And the music is scored like all other Steven Spielberg movies by John Williams. Yeah, but surprisingly, not his best. This is kind of a he. He didn't phone it in, but it's not terribly memorable. Yeah, no, because you were even before we started recording. You're like, hey, should we play some music from this? And I'm like, I don't, I don't really think so. Like, there's nothing about it that really stands out. You know? Yeah, there, there really isn't. You know. Uh, we should probably talk about <laughs> uh, you, 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 you taglines. We're gonna do taglines and stuff like that next. Keep going. You do okay. your thing. You do your thing. I'll come back with mine in a little bit. Okay, taglines. Oh Jesus, uh, there's nine of them. 
what would you do if you were accused of murder? <laughs> what would you do if you were accused of a murder you had not committed? Dot dot dot. Yet. Ooh. Uh, next tagline: Everybody runs. All right, they say that a couple times in the movie. The system is perfect until it comes after you. All right. <laughs> Get ready to run in all caps. Uh. Oh, Jesus, this one's like a paragraph. The future can be seen. Murder can be prevented. The guilty punished before the crime is committed. The system is perfect. It's never wrong until it comes after you. And then, like, everybody runs again. I don't know why it's on there twice. You can't hide. Count to three and get ready to run. And then a combination. You can't hide. Get ready to run. There it is. (laughs) Dear Lord. Those weren't great. We had some good ones last week for we uh, Gladiator. They were all great for Gladiator. These ones, I don't. None of them were really Not that so good. Much. So, um, was there something you were about to say before I was before we did the taglines? No, I was going to talk about kind of the, the development of this movie. Oh, okay. And the, and the odd development of this movie. So right. uh, initially, this film was going to be a sequel to Total Recall. The Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I remember. I remember that was that blew my mind on the Total Recall episode. So the way it would the, the way it worked is, uh, the precogs were going to be mutants from Mars, people who were mutated on Mars, and Schwarzenegger was going to be, uh, you know, whatever Tom Cruise's character is is here, uh, and. It was getting ready to, you know, the script was written. It was getting ready to sort of kind of be launched into production. And then Carol Co. Pri- Carol Co. Pri- Pictures went bankrupt. And so they Oops. had to pick which movies they wanted to do. So they picked um, uh, Cutthroat Island <laughs> <laughs> and then some other movie that it did equally terrible. Uh, and so this movie just kind of sat. Uh, and then eventually they John Nabant picked it up and was going to direct it. And isn't picked it up and was going to direct it. And then that fell through. Uh, and then Tom Cruise got involved and short and, uh, and, and Spielberg got involved. And again, it, it almost didn't get off and running. Uh, they actually had a completely different cast at one point. Uh, and then eventually once, uh, once, uh, Tom Cruise and Steven Spielberg's uh, schedules lined up. Um, it, it, it got cast again and then they started making it. Uh, but initially it was going to be um, Matt Damon as uh, Colin Farrell's character. It was going to be Ian McKellen in it, uh, Kate Blanchett, Jenna Elfman. Uh, at one point, Javier Bardem was attached. Um, it was going to be a very, very different cast than what ended up being uh, on the screen here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, anything else um, that you want to mention or, or anything of the sorts before we start kind of talking about the the cast? Uh, Not the cast, Jesus. I'm no, sorry. My problem. brain is melted. I, I don't know what's going on with my, it's my it's brain. It's late. It's late. It's not late, though. It's a problem. No, it's uh, the plot. Uh, uh, before we get into the plot. Well, I mean, we should talk. Like, Spielberg... Spent a fair amount of time um, with with future technologists and with um, you know uh, 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 product designers and, and things like that. He had he took fifty four people uh, that kind of could 
see the direction of where products and technology were going and sit them in a room and said, give me, give me a future that's plausible and give me technologies that are plausible. And that's what I'll put in this film. And that's what he did. And what's really interesting about it is you see, this is, you know, 2002, this comes out, but you see things like, um, uh, uh, holographic displays. You see things that are touchscreen sensitive that have, uh, uh, you see, you know, um, uh, automated cars, you see all these different technologies that um, are very, very much what's happening right now. Like this movie pretty accurately predicted a lot of the technologies that we have now, um, kind of kind of scarily even. Uh, even some of the themes that this film explores are sort of things we're dealing with now. Uh, it's, it's really very interesting that all these people got together and sort of predicted the way the world was going to look, uh, so, you know, 25 years later. Right. But do a lot of people use like gloves and go through like, computer screens like that though? I mean, I do, but that's just cause I don't want to get Cheeto dust on the screens. That's fair enough. Um, okay. So now do you want to get, uh, into the plot? No, I'm pretty sure we should next talk about the, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, let's get the plot. <laughs> So the first thing I had to say about this movie, my first, literally my first note is like, so like the, the, the conceit of this movie or the concept and it, it is like this pre-crime division where they have these pre-cogs, pre-cogs, and they can like predict, have visions of like murders that are going to happen before they happen. So like the pre-crime division goes in and like arrests someone that they see is going to commit murder, but they haven't actually committed murder yet. Correct. And some and sometimes they get them like weeks in advance, but like if they're like a crime of passion, like they'll be like they it's like a clock, like they don't get them right away, right? Like they just because they they're not premeditated, right, so they don't right. know that they don't know far in advance that they're going to happen. Right. That was sort of how it started. Is I mean, we'll get into. I guess do you, do you want me to? It, it, they they mentioned it in the plot how they sort of came up with the precogs and all that stuff. Um, well, we, we'll we get to that. We'll get to right. that. We don't have to get on top. But I just want to say, I just wanted to get that out of the way because I was like, I don't understand why, like, the, and maybe you have an answer for this. Maybe they explain it. I didn't catch it. But why do they have to, like, chisel, like, the names and stuff into, like, a ball? Like, why is that part of the system? That's part of the system so that it can't be faked. Um, so each individual, like, each each one of those individual wood-carved balls are almost like have their own fingerprint. So someone can't oh, go in and tamper okay. with them. So they can't, so they can't, you know, uh, 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 input like a false record in there. It's, it's okay. to keep it so that, so it's to keep it honest, essentially. Okay. Got it. So the movie starts off and like, they get, uh, they get some like information. They have a vision about a murder. We get a lot of Tom Cruise, like I said, moving through like a lot of like uh, computer screens with his hands, and like the really weird thing where like some of this technology may be on point, but where they like pull like the big glass things out and like plug them into other screens and stuff like that. Like, yeah, that's that, not something. No, it's not. But we don't even need that now. Now it's just like you can direct that image to go to whatever screen you want. You don't even need to physically move it anywhere. Okay, so our, our technology is even surpassed that. Uh, my note says that it seems like more complicated than it needs to be their computer system. But yeah, 
Also, like, I, may, I don't remember why. You know me. Sometimes I write notes and I can't remember why. But I do have a note that says, did Tom Cruise just say twink in this? I can't remember why, but he says twink at some point if you're watching it right at the beginning. Uh, nope. Anyways, uh, so he's like, Tom Cruise is scrubbing the image. He's looking for, uh, you know, information so they can figure out where the crime's going to happen. Um, and, and that's when they say, that's when they give the information that the... Uh, the red ball is a uh, crime of passion. Yeah, because uh, what happens is you've got the three precogs, precognitives, sitting in a pool, uh, and the pool is like this conductive milk, they call it. Basically, it provides them with nutrients, and it helps uh, keep these three people um, um, focused on the images. And the reason why they can see murders is because they're generally the most... Um, they 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 have the most uh, most feeling associated with them, um, you know, not like a not like robbing a bank or, you know, you know, vandalizing something. Like murder is, you're you're ending someone's life. So the emotions associated with it are much easier for the precogs to pick up. Uh, and premeditated murders they can see far in advance because they're they have time. The person's thinking about this murder. Uh, it's out in the world. It's out for them to kind of see, so they have time. Whereas crimes of passion happen kind of instantaneously. Um, right. So what they're getting is they're getting these flashes of visions of the actual event itself, but not like it doesn't say, you know, this person's going to die at this time in this place. It's just a picture. It's just like watching a video with no context. And right. Tom Cruise's job is to find the context within that, to use facial recognition software to figure out who these people in the vision are, to use uh, 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 landmarks, to use clues within the actual image to figure out where the location is and what time it's going to happen. Right, 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 right. So they, the, the, the whole opening sequence is like that kind of walking through the process and they end up, they figure out where this crime is going to take place. They fly out in their weird ships that they fly out in uh, and they're able to stop this crime before it happens, right? So that's kind of like the opening sequence. Um, we find out that pre-crime, it's been uh, like the division has been set up in Washington, D.C. for six years. And since it's been around, the homicide rate has dropped 90 percent, which is funny because that means that some people are still getting murdered. But uh, <laughs> um, well, those are the, the, well, that's what they said was those are the crimes of passion that they couldn't figure out in time. Right. OK. So and, and like the big kind of crux is that like there's a big a national pre-crime initiative is being voted on. Like, are they going to take this program and, and put it like countrywide? Is it going to move out of D.C.? So there's like a lot of scrutiny on it. And they that that's why inter uh, Colin Farrell's character, he works for the Department of uh Justice, no, the Attorney General, Attorney General. and he's there to he's there to kind of like go over everything, make sure it actually is on the up and up, and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, so, and, and oh, no, like, no, he is he's from the Department of Justice, but he's there at the behest of the Attorney General, right? Uh, so Tom Cruise, uh, he's uh, and it kind of gets elaborated on as the movie goes on, but like I don't know, I feel like it's one of those things where it's like it's easier just to kind of explain it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so because like so like. His son was kidnapped, uh, and I, I'm assuming dead. I don't know if they ever found him, but like he he's, he lost him at like a public pool. Uh, his son was like six years old. It like broke up his marriage, and he's like basically on drugs now? Question mark. Yeah, he takes like um, you know, like uh, like um, 
almost like Xanax to sort of like calm his nerves and um, uh, basically put him to sleep. Right. Because we see his like future apartment and it's all disarray and it's all dirty. And he kind of just like takes this drug and watches like hologram videos of his son. Mm-hmm. Um, so he also watches videos of his wife. Uh, hologram videos of his wife. And then we get to... Sh- I- the fucking future cars in this movie are dumb as shit, like every movie we've ever talked about. But this one takes it a step further because the future cars are dumb, but the future roads are dumb too. They're like these like stupid shapes. They're like, like I, I, I was annoyed by the cars and the roads in this movie. It's a little weird. Yeah, it, I think it takes it a little too far. Um, th- basically think of giant Hot Wheel tracks is what these are. And yeah. the cars, instead of, so so the cars are long, they're just like a normal shape of a car, essentially. They're rectangular. And instead of driving vertically, you know, long ways, they, instead of driving hot dog, they drive hamburger. They, they, they drive horizontally <laughs> down the road and uh, are attached to the sides of these, they're almost like magnetic, like to these to these tracks, and they go down the sides of buildings and like flatten out and go straight, and they go up the sides of buildings. It's weird. It's kind of a it's kind of a weird mis- mishmash of 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 road. Yeah, you keep saying weird, but you mean to say dumb. Anyways, so that's that's when they so like after that scene, that's when we get back to the the precon division. That's when Colin Farrell's introduced, and that's when kind of the stuff you already talked about with the scene. Like I have written in my notes that like Tom Cruise or maybe it's Neil McDonough tells him that you know the precogs don't see what you intend to do; they only see what you will do. Like that's one of the that's so. Um, and, and like you said, they can only see murders. Um, he, Colin Farrell is like, I want to go see the precogs and like, no one goes into the temple. That's what they call it. But they, he, because of his clearance, they have to let him in. Uh, that's when Agatha, that's the main female one. She like, kind of like wakes up and is like talking to Tom Cruise and like the guy that runs the precogs, that dude's a creep, right? Oh, like, super creepy. <laughs> he's so weird. He's like, they don't talk to anyone. Um, so then he goes, and I, I guess I didn't pick up on this and I was confused at first. He goes to see Tim Blake Nelson who runs like basically kind of like the prison area of this where they lock up all the people that they catch of. Yeah. They have these things called halos that they put on the criminals that essentially just shuts down their, their motor functions um, and puts them in almost like a comatose state. And then they just sort of put them in a tube and kind of shove them off in the corner, essentially. And Tim Blake Nelson's there just to kind of man the system and, you know, make sure things are running the way they should be. Right. And he's trying to find out about like a case, like, cause Agatha shows him a vision of some lady being drowned. Right. So he's trying to figure out like what's going on with it. And they pull up the case uh, and they talk about how the dude, like he wasn't identified cause he had his eyes swapped out. Uh, but like they can't watch Agatha's feed cause it's like missing. Um, so it, it's kind of like a mystery. Tom Cruise can't really figure out what's going on. Oh, right. And uh, that's where, um, the word minority report comes in. The phrase minority report comes in. Uh, they have three precogs and they generally, in almost all cases, see the exact same thing. But sometimes one of them sees things a little bit differently. Um, and that's called, a, that's called the, a minority report. So, so a minority of the three of them are reporting something different. Um, and that was Agatha's. Typically, it's gonna it's Agatha's 
that's going to be different when they do have a minority report because she's the most powerful of the three of them. Um, and so that's the feed that was missing. Right, 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 right. So um, then at this point also, like, I thought it was weird that, like, Colin Farrell's just, they show me he's just inside Tom Cruise's house, just, like, walking around checking stuff out. Yeah, that seems crazy. Like, and he, he finds the drugs, so that'll come back. Um, so then they, they were back at the pre-crime thing, and, like, uh, their case comes in, and they find out the victim is Leo Crow. But then, uh-oh, they find out the person committing the murder is Tom Cruise. He, like, intercepts the ball with his name on it. Um, and, and like, but eventually he's found out and he has to like, uh, get, get out of there. And like, there's like a, he's trying the car, but the car gets in lockdown and that's when he gets out. And that's where I have another note that says the future roads are really dumb, but I think they're designed just so like Tom Cruise can hop on them, like Frogger style, like across the roads, you know, when they're moving. Um, so can I, I have a, I have a major question about the, the, I don't know if I should ask it now. Just ask it. Okay. So. We're, whatever. If you're listening to this, you've probably seen the movie. Spoiler alerts for this movie that came out in 2002. Because so, like, the, the main crux of it is, is that, like, they have the vision of him committing the murder of this Leo Crow guy, right? Right. We'll come to find out, and we'll get to it, when he when he tracks him down, you know, it's like, oh, is this the guy that murdered his son? But it's all, like, a setup. We'll talk about that a little more when you get to that part of the movie. But how, how did they... Cause it's a setup by someone, but how did they get like, how did they know that the precogs just had the vision? Like, it just seems too complicated that they would, that like they were able to set things in motion that made sure the precogs had the vision that had to, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. to me, it just doesn't track very well. No, I, I get it. And, and that was one of the kind of the drawbacks is there are plot holes in this. Like it, it, it is the movie assumes a lot of things. Um, and you just kind of have to roll with it because you're right. Um, the movie is assuming that, well, I mean, I guess it, it is and it isn't because the precogs do see every murder supposedly. So if this murder is going to happen, um, no, I get that. But I'm saying it's like, how did, okay. How did Max von Sydow know by hiring this guy and seemingly all he did was hire him and give him pictures of, you know what I'm saying? Like the, the I don't know. Like, oh, just, how, like, how does he know? That's the how paradox. Does he know, how does he know that by giving him those pictures, it's going to set in motion the train of events. that's going to cause time. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't right, right. understand. It, it shouldn't have. That's kind of the thing. Um, it, there's something, I don't remember what, what the name is. I read about it. Um, it's called like a, like a, predetermination paradox or something like that. Like the, the only reason why Tom Cruise was there is because he saw himself being there. So like if he had never seen himself being there, would he be there? Right. And like I said, I mean, whatever I get, it's a science science fiction movie and blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. I just kind of had a main, it's it's just like, it's the main conceit. It's one of the main things driving forces of this. And I, you're right. I do. Yeah. I have a big problem with that as well. No, you're not digesting it. So, um, so anyways, so like we get to see when Max von Sydow and Colin Fer- Farrell, they're arguing about going after Tom Cruise and stuff. Um, and basically the way this future society works is that like um, they everything like reads your eyes, like it, it scans your eyes. And it's like even so much as like the advertisements are like personalized, like you'll walk by something and it'll be like, 
hey, you know, like LPJ, you look like you could use a vacation or whatever. So it's which like is, it's all eye-based. So you which can't is like crazy. get around anywhere. Which is crazy because if anything was predictive of what's happening now, that is. like Because everything now is directed ads and based on your previous search history or even when you say the words. You say, like we were talking about um, – we were talking about uh, when we were when we were recording our last episode. We were talking about Jean Claude Van Damme. As soon as I turned my phone on after after we recorded, there was an Instagram ad in there for some Jean Claude Van Damme movie. Like <laughs> yeah. my phone heard me talking about Jean Claude Van Damme and just gave me an ad with JCVD in it. Like <laughs> yeah. bizarrely. Yeah, it, that is very creepy. Uh, did you did you see that they said like on the train uh, when he when he gets spotted on the train when he's on like public transportation the guy that like sees him when he like yeah. puts down his is is uh, Cameron Crowe. Yep. Um, and apparently somewhere also on the train scene is uh, another uh, director working with Tom Cruise, Paul Thomas Anderson. Yep. But and Cameron uh, uh, Cameron Diaz is in there too somewhere. Cameron Diaz, yeah, somewhere in there too. So, uh, so then, uh, so then there's like the the pre crime division comes after Tom Cruise. Do they all have jetpacks? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> so they, they show up fly. with jetpacks. Uh, Tom Cruise fights him. I don't know why he sh- he uses that shock stick on the one guy, and the guy throws up. I wasn't quite sure why. Yeah, I wasn't sure how that worked either. And then there's a chase scene with jetpacks, and then I got a note that just says, "You know, Tom Cruise is going to run because he runs a lot in this movie." Yep. <laughs> Although he didn't do the Tom Cruise run, he just ran like a normal man. Oh well, that's no fun. Um, and then like, so they chase him into that factory. What's that weird like gun he's using? It looks like a shotgun, but it's like yeah, shooting like it twirls around. It's like a plasma shotgun or something. Yeah. It's so weird. Like it yeah, looks it was, cool, it but because he, he, he like, the way he spins it around and shoots it, but it's almost like it. It shoots like I don't know, like sonic vibrations or waves, or yeah. it like knocks people out in the air and stuff. So, uh, I it's funny because I'm like I had a note that like while they're fighting in the factory, I'm like, what is this factory making? And then I'm like, oh, it's making those dumb cars because because it, <laughs> it looks like uh, Tom Cruise is um, gonna get caught in a car, but then like he's fine, and then he like drives the car out of the factory, yeah. and he's like, see ya. Um, he goes to a house with uh, uh, like living plants, like poison ivy style set, sentient, set, sentient plants. I don't Question know mark? what they are. It's a greenhouse. Little, sh- little, little yeah. shop of horror plants? It, yeah, it's a greenhouse with some kind of like genetically engineered plants that respond to humans. Um, so where he's at is he's at this, I can't remember her name, but it's the lady that the doctor that basically invented pre-crime, right? Yeah. Dr. Right. Iris Heinemann. Right. And that's where we, we find out that the precogs were children of drug addicts, right? Well, like, yeah. And it's the same drug that he's taking neuroin. So they were okay. addicted to neuroin. The, the parents, the, the, the mothers were, and then these children were born and they found that some of the children had this precognitive ability to certain extents. Um, and neuroin wasn't initially an illegal drug. It was, it was an antidepressant. Uh, and that's how they sort of came up with pre-crime as they were treating these kids. And this, it's her, she's the one that tells Tom Cruise about the minority report. Yeah. She's the one, she's the one that explains the concept of the minority report. And like, cause he thinks that there's a, 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 a he thinks that like, he's trying to, he's convinced that there's a minority report for the vision about him killing the guy. Correct. And he's like, and he's like, well, how can I get a copy? And she's like, well, there's not any copies. It's just like, it would be inside the, um, 
uh, inside, uh, inside the precog. the precog that saw it. So it's like he's got to sneak into the uh, pre-crime precinct to, to get to the precog. So he goes to see Peter Stomar, um, which is, I don't know why. The weirdest thing about this movie to me is like pre- Peter Stomar's assistant is seemingly just taking a dump at yeah. one point. Yeah. What, the, what the fuck was that? No, and, and then he says some of you who are in Swedish, and it translates to wipe your ass and get out here. It's like, why is that lady taking a dump? Like, I was, I don't I was, know. So, I was so confused She had, a, she had a door open and everything. It's, it was creepy. And then I was like, it was this very, un, I feel like this very unnecessary thing where, like, Peter Starmar is like, oh, you don't remember me, Tom Cruise? Like, you, you sent me to prison in Baltimore and all this stuff. And you, like, I don't know why that connection's in the movie because it's supposed to be like, oh, is he going to, like, it's screw just, Tom Cruise over? But he but he doesn't. He no, kind of, like, helps him out. It's just to create tension, I think. Oh, well. Um, so also, uh, at, at this point, Kyle Farrell goes out and talks to Tom Cruise's ex-wife. She'll come back later. Um, yeah. And I, I, I really, I thought that Peter Stomar was going to do something bad to Tom Cruise, but he doesn't. He just, oh, he's there to get eye replacement surgery, by the way. Right. Um, he, wa- he needs to get his eyes replaced so he can sneak into the, the pre precinct, but he's like, Hey, I want to make sure I can keep my old eyes, which I thought is kind of funny. Um, and I also have a question about that when we get to it in a second. So uh, he's like, hey, don't remove the bandages for 12 hours uh, and, and just hang out in this house. I'm going to put some food in the fridge for you. Here's a rope to the bathroom. Here's a rope to the fridge, blah, blah, blah. He had, that's, that's when he has a dream, and he has a dream about losing his son at the public pool. Mm-hmm. We see that bit. So then he's, he's hungry. He goes to the fridge, but he gets confused. He eats a moldy sandwich. He drinks on spoiled milk, and I'm like, why is this scene in this movie? I don't know why. Um, so Neil McDonough and this other guy uh, show up. They're, like, sweeping the neighborhood, and they release these uh, spiders, they call yeah, them. spiders, how, yeah. How do, how do they control the spiders? They just kind of let them go, and they just take off walking. Well, and they're just like uh, just like automated drones, you know, like a, like a Roomba. Okay, because they basically walk around. It's I do kind of like that scene though. It's cool. They kind of go. We get like an uh, overhead shot of like yeah, the uh, that was uh, and shot see, really neat. And you see all the spiders come in, and they basically scan your eye to make sure you're. Uh, yep. They interrupt some people doing it, which I was like, "Whoa, Spielberg, calm down. This is in your bag." Um, uh, but anyways, so blah blah blah. Tom Cruise. They they sense like body heat, so he like fills a bathtub with ice and he hides in it. Uh, to try and stay away from the spiders, but they still see them, and they like li- lift up the bandage and they scan the eye, but the new eye uh, works, and they read it not as him, and so the cops leave, right? Right. So then he goes to sneak into the the uh, pre crime place. Uh, Peter Stomar also gave him this thing that he like injects into his face, and it like I don't know loosens the skin yeah. on his face. It it like relaxes all of the muscles in his face so that. Um his skin just like droops and he, he, he's not recognizable to facial recognition software. So like, here's the thing that's confusing to me. So he sneaks in and then he's got to get into the room with the precogs. So he pulls out the bag with his whole eye, his old, old eyeballs so they can get in a couple questions. One, why go through the whole trouble of getting different eyes? So you're not recognized. If you're going to use your old eye to open the door in the facility, 
And two, why wasn't his clearance revoked if he's like a criminal on the run? Exactly. That's my first question is, why does he still have access? Um, But you're right. Like, well, to answer your first question, uh, you saw when he walked into the other places that there's cameras everywhere that pick him up. If they pick up his eyes too early, then he's not going to be able to get anywhere near the door that he needs to access. Um, so that's why that's there. But as far as okay. why his clearance wasn't revoked, I got no idea. For as much security <laughs> as that place has, I'm pretty sure that's going to be rule number one. Yeah, it's true. So he ends up escaping with <laughs> with Agatha in the dumbest way possible, where he just like basically flushes the giant toilet <laughs> yeah. at the end, and he like <sighs> they spin around and like shoot out. Uh, I like how they have to go get her clothes. There's a there's a, a embarrassing Gap product placement, like a, basically a Gap commercial in the middle of this movie where they go into the future Gap and he picks out an outfit. Oh yeah, if there if there's two things you know about uh, the future, they love the Gap and they love Nokia. Yeah, uh, so they go they go to see this dude uh, Rufus Riley who runs like a weird like VR type business, uh, and he so- was the one like. Hook Tom Cruise up with all his like illegal technology. No, no. What they what they explain is for the pre crime division, they can't have in order to prevent uh, people from copying the the hardware and sort of tampering with it and maybe creating their own, uh, you know, creating their own counterfeit um, crime balls. I guess you'd call them. they don't have one company. <laughs> crime balls. Crime balls. Crime balls. There's a new emote. Crime balls. Um, crime balls. They don't have one company making all these pieces. They take existing technology, existing things, and then they have one guy modify them and put them together to keep them as secure as possible. Um, so this guy is the dude that actually assembled these things for them so they could actually uh, keep it secure. Gotcha. So he goes there. He wants to try and get the images out of Agatha's head. Um, and, and she she really wants him to see uh, who killed Anne Lively. More on that uh, coming up. Uh, the the future, the, the pre-co- <laughs> pre-cog future, pre-crime cops show up. Sorry. Um, uh, and they kind of chase him out. I like how the future mall still seems pretty normal. Like yep. the future mall seemed like you're walking around like 12 Oaks. Um who, who uh, knew I that did, they'd essentially be uh, deserted husks in reality now? Uh, yeah, that's true. And I do like that bit where uh, Agatha helps him escape by like, oh, take that umbrella, stand there, like kind of yeah, gives them all these cool. like, which is weird, though, because they're like, well, she can only predict murders, but then she's able to predict all this other stuff. Well, I think I, I think um, she's super powerful compared to the other two and okay. that it, she's only it, when they're in the in the precog bath, I guess they're only focused on murders, but she can predict other things okay. as well. Focused on murders so they can spit out crime balls. Got it. Right. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, so he balls. walks out and then like Tom Cruise starts to realize that they're like in the area of the vision they saw where he murdered the guy. And there was like the whole yeah. thing where there was like, there was a guy in the window and he sees it's like a billboard being like raised up and like all the stuff. Why, why didn't he just leave? Like, then he doesn't murder the guy, and then he then he's not in jail. Like, what? Because he's like, I gotta go in the hotel, and he's like, Where's Leo Crow? And he goes to the room number, and like, <laughs> like I, that's so confusing to me. Like, yeah, I don't know. No, it I, seems I, like the e- seems like the easiest way to clear your name is to not go where you're supposed to commit the murder, 
and then not commit the murder. No, I agree. And, and no, I agree. But I think what he wants to do is go and find out why he would have killed. Like what would have drove him to go and do this? Well, so he finds the room and there's pictures of all these kids. And apparently Leo Crow is the guy that like took his son and like Tom Cruise flips out and like, like the guy's like, oh yeah, I put your son in a barrel and sunk it to sunk it in the bay. And it's like, eek. Um, but Tom Cruise won't kill him. He's going to arrest him. He's like, but then the, the uh, Crow guy starts freaking out. And he's like, hey, he's like, you got to kill me. My family doesn't get anything if you don't kill me. Uh, and he's not really the guy that took Tom Cruise's son. He's just someone that got hired. And he's like, take all these pictures and say, I, I took your son, so you'll kill me. Uh, but Tom Cruise won't do it. But the guy basically grabs Tom Cruise's gun and basically shoots himself and falls out the window, right? Right. Okay. Uh, Colin Farrell it, talks to Max von Sydow at Tom Cruise's house and basically has figured it all out. Because he's like, yeah. the, the vision the vision of Anne Lively, he's like, well, he's like, if you wanted to trick the precogs, you would basically have like a murder, like have a murder take place that they stop the murder. But then if you recreated the murder and the precogs got, they would think it was just like an echo. Like they were just seeing a past murder that already took place. Yeah. If you do it like around the exact same time. Right. They would they would be like, oh, this is just an echo of that murder. We already stopped. So and Max von Sydow kills Colin Farrell, shoots yeah. him. Um, Tom Cruise goes to his wife's house with Agatha to uh, hide out. There's a weird scene where I don't know, like, I guess she can see the possibility of the future of what their son, if he was alive, because she starts telling him about all the stuff right. about his son and the future. So I don't know. That bit was kind of weird. Um Pre-crime shows up at the house. Uh, they arrest Tom Cruise and they put him in the weird jail uh, in, in the, with the halo and with uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the leader. Um, um, uh, the, the guy, the, the actor Tim who Blake runs Nelson. the future jail. Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah. I'm so, I couldn't think of the name. That's what I was trying to get you to think of. Oh, yeah. Well, um, well I did. Congratulations. Tim Blake Nelson. Okay. <laughs> so he gets put in weird jail. Uh, 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 Tom Cruise's wife goes to talk to Max von Sydow about it, and I like how like he they're kind of like going back and forth, and he's he's like in like um, uh, she says something about Anne Lively, but then like Max von Sydow messes up because he says something about like how like oh something about her drowning or something, yeah. and he, she's like I didn't she's like did I didn't say that she drowned or whatever it was, so like. He, like, basically messed up, and she knew he was in on it. So then somehow she gets into the pre-crime precinct and into that jail and gets Tom Cruise out of Halo Jail, right? Yeah, there's an interesting theory about all this stuff, which I'll talk about after we talk when we finish talking about the movie. Okay. Uh, uh, oh, oh, I guess she gets in there because she still has Tom Cruise's eyeball. That's, That's what they right. show That's up. right. That's and right. I'm like, I don't know. She's, I, mean, I thought he, anyway. So uh, what, what we learn is that Max von Sydow was the one who killed Anne Lively because she was, Anne Lively was Agatha's mom, birth mom. Yep. And she had like cleaned herself up and wanted her daughter back. But Max von Sydow was like, no, because that, then we, then pre-crime is my thing and it won't exist. So he hired somebody to try and kill uh, Anne Lively, but they stopped it. But then he was there and actually killed her in the exact same way. But like Colin Farrell 
hypothesize. They just thought it was an echo, so they dismissed it. So, but she was actually dead this time, right? Um. Uh. So Tom Cruise kind of confronts him, and Max von Sydow ends up shooting himself, killing himself. Um, I, I'm also curious as to when all this is taking place because it's at some banquet. When did Tom Cruise's wife have time to go home and get like a dress to put on for this banquet? Yeah, yep. So, um, so Max von Sydow's dead. Uh, pre crime gets shut down. The program ends. The twins they they send them to live somewhere far off, like in the middle of nowhere, so they're not like plagued by visions. Uh, Tom Cruise and his wife are back together, and she is pregnant. That's the end. That's it. That's the end. I have a lot of questions. <laughs> okay. Well, first, I don't think first, I have the answers. But... First, I, I, I'll, I'll. All right. We'll start with this. Okay. Um. So the whole Max von Sydow's whole idea is to take this thing national. They said that they only have three precogs right now, and that they're created from uh, mothers who are addicted to this this antidepressant that's now illegal. How are they going to take it national? I was wondering that too. Right. There's only three of them, right? Yeah. Like how are they going to take it national? Um, my other kind of question, my other kind of comment about this is there's an alternate theory floating around that. Oh boy. Uh, the entire end of this movie is just what's happening in Tom Cruise's mind as he's in the prison. (laughs) Like it's not actually because that's what you see. You see him. They put the halo on his head and then you see him lowered in there. And then the next thing you see is his wife's coming in. Huh. That's interesting. Is uh, Steven Spielberg ever commented on it? I don't know. I haven't, a- I haven't asked him. Um, oh. <laughs> but, but but my point is it's such an interesting alternate theory and um, it sort of makes sense. I don't buy it, but it makes sense. You know, I'd like yeah. to think that all this stuff happens, but uh, but it's it, it, it's interesting that maybe it didn't. Maybe it's all in Tom Cruise's head. Um, maybe. Uh, did you see that all the precogs are named after famous mystery writers? I did. Yeah, Dashiell Hammett, uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and Agatha Christie. Yep. Didn't need um, what else you got? Uh, well, there's a television series. Uh, it didn't last very long. Uh, it came out in 2014, um, and I think it lasted like th- maybe 13 episodes at the most, uh, and then it got uh, canceled. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Oh, that's fun. It can It basically uh, takes place right after the movie, or 10 years after the uh, film. Oh, really? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, there's some other things we talk about, like. The filming of this, like the actual look of this movie, is very unique. Uh, yeah, least, I, it, it was it, unique at the time. Yeah, I was going to say it, it does have a very uh, specific look to it, like the coloring and stuff of it. Right. It, it sort of reminds me of what, like, uh, Michael Bay and J.J. Abrams did after, um, with the lens flat lens flares and the sort of washed out color palette and all the blues that are in it. Um, like, I feel like we see a lot of that now in certain films, people imitating that style, but I, I, this seems to be sort of where it kind of started, uh, this, mm-hmm. this film in general, that, that sort of look, cause this has a very, I don't want to say modern look to it, but it's it still, it feels kind of contemporary, 
um, even now uh, with some of the way films are shot now with all the lens flares and things. Right. No, I I agree with you on that. It is, but it's also kind of like the, um, like the color, the color palette of this movie is very like greenish almost. Like, I don't know if greenish is the right word, but it's very like, it's not like normal color. No, no, it's definitely a, a washed out kind of, Wash it out. That's, it's that's kind of kind a of washed out color palette. Yeah, yeah, and and, and, it, and it and it leans more toward the blues than it does like the reds. It's it's very specific in its look. Uh, we should mention this film takes place in April of 2054, so it still could happen. We're not there yet. Um, and four million DVDs were sold in the first few months of this film's home release. Uh, apparently, LBJ was one of them who bought it. I was. I watched all of the special features, and I don't remember any of them. And do you know that Steven Spielberg had another movie he directed come out in 2002? Yes. Do you know what it is? It was... Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't AI. That was before. That was like 99. Uh, War of the Worlds was after this. <laughs> okay. Uh, Process of Elimination. Uh, I don't remember. Uh, it is Catch Me If You Can, That's starring Tom right. Hanks and Leonardo DiCaprio. I always so. forget he directed that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no. Um, I, there, you already kind of covered the uh, role reversals you talked yeah. about. That's all there were, too. It's just there were, you know, there were legitimate role reversals. Like these were people that were cast that were going to be in the movie and then had to bow out because of scheduling issues. Right. Um yeah, I don't really know if I have anything else. We kind of talked about all the main questions and stuff I had for this movie. Yeah. So, all right. Well, you know what? Uh, let's just rate it. Okay. Are you going to play the sound now? Or I already am. Later? Shut up. Okay. There, I did it. While you were talking, way to ruin it. Yeah. Well, the the magic is gone. Um, I'm going to go first. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm going to go first. You know, I, I didn't love this movie. I got to be honest with you. Like I said, I, this is the first time I've seen it since we saw it in the theaters. I don't hate this movie, but I definitely don't love it. it like I said, I kind of talked to you that one of the main plot devices in this I just doesn't make sense to me. I, I like the actors in it. I like Tom Cruise. I like Tom Farrell. I like Neil McDonough. I, like I said, like there's parts of it I like and find entertaining, but also like I don't know. And I get that it's high concept. I'm fine with high concept. I just, I don't know if they, it, it worked out enough to me. It seemed like it, some of the stuff is a little too convenient for the plot, the way it worked. It made sense. And I don't know. I, I This wouldn't be one that I would be, be uh, knocking down the door to watch again anytime soon. So I'm going to go kind of straight down the middle and give this two and a half machine guns. Okay. That's fair. Um, I think this movie has issues. Uh, and really the biggest issue is the um the motivate the actual motivation for Tom Cruise to go out and seek his killer is that he sees him being a killer you know what i mean right like yeah it, it, it's the whole the whole um um what's the, the starting point of this film is based on a uh, a paradox that really couldn't happen. Like it doesn't make sense. Like, like we talked about the reason why Tom Cruise tries to seek 
this guy that he supposedly killed is because he saw himself in a precognitive vision killing this guy. But the only reason why this guy was killed is because he was hired by Max von Sydow, Max von Sydow to incite Tom Cruise into killing him. Right. It makes no sense. It doesn't make just any by, sense. Just by hiring the guy and giving him pictures, I, I, I don't know. It just and like I don't understand. Like whatever they try and explain it, but to me, it's just like if you're a precog, you can see the future. It seems like you should be able to see anything, except but you can only see murders. Like why couldn't you see a robbery? Robberies are premeditated. Well, I, I think it's because they the emotion. Yeah, they only focus on because if they because it would it would drive them crazy to focus on everything. So they only focus on the on the murders. Well, um, I don't know. Like I said, I but still, that's I, not the biggest. The biggest issue is the fact that there's no way hiring this guy to have these pictures and say that he kidnapped uh, Tom Cruise's kid is going to make Tom Cruise want to murder him because there's no way he knows about him. And also, like we said, Tom Cruise knows very well who the system is. Wait, wait until after the time that the murder supposed to take place. And then go find the guy or investigate. Like that's all he has to do, right? Like, yeah, I, I don't know. know. And that's the thing. Like, what if he just agrees to be locked up and doesn't go and kill the guy? Yeah, you know the the, the whole the whole idea of pre crime in this it, it doesn't make sense. Like, it doesn't. There's so many holes you can poke in it that it doesn't. And they try to explain it away with that whole. Uh, you know, rolling the ball metaphor that they have. Um, but it doesn't really also, make sense. But also it doesn't seem like, and whatever, we're, you know, like this is probably like, it doesn't seem like you could lock someone up for a crime that they hadn't committed, right? Like it seems like you could stop them from doing it, but it doesn't seem, you know, like, I don't know, like maybe in the cases of that one where the, the you know, crimes of passion, but like some of these premeditated ones, like, well, you didn't actually do it. So how can you lock somebody up? That's the other thing. Know. Yeah, there's a whole it's a whole thing. And I guess that makes sense within the context of the movie why this is sort of provisional and not um not, you know, worldwide. Yeah. Um, so so you're right. There there's a lot of holes in this, you know. I have issues with the plot, but overall like I enjoy the feel of the movie. I like movies like this. I like kind of crime noirs. Um you know, movies like Blade Runner I really enjoy. Um it's it's just the type of movie that I like. Uh, all the acting in it is very good. Even Samantha, even you know, for as limited as Samantha Morton is uh, vocally, like 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 dialogue wise in this, I think even her silence, even in her silence, she's a great actor. Yeah, I I, I don't fault. I like the performances. I think. I mean, I I I'm a for the most part. I I like Tom Cruise movies. I mean, obviously his sure. personal life's a little weird, but I in general I like the guy in movies. So I think all the performances are good. I think it looks fine. Like I, I you know like I think it's obviously competently directed. And like we said, some of the shots are really cool. I think just overall for me it doesn't work. But we're talking about your rating, and I don't think we've actually gotten into it yet. No, you keep interrupting me. <laughs> uh, anyway, as I was saying, uh, yes, there are some plot holes in this. I enjoy the acting in it. I think it looks cool. I think the mo- it's never slow. The movie moves like it's not. I was never bored at any point. Um, I thought the technology was cool. Uh, I thought it was very eerie the way it predicted a lot of things uh, that we that we now see uh, in our society. Um, 
And I, I enjoy the movie, but you're right. There are certain issues with it. If I take those issues out, I would give this like uh, probably a four. Um, Jesus. Just because I enjoy the movie, but if I take the plot holes out. But with the plot holes objectively, I'm going to go... I'll go three and a half with it because I do like the movie. I think people will like the movie in general if they go and see it. But, you know, be aware. There are some... The the plot isn't really going to hold up. I interrupted you because like that was like... <laughs> Not quite cause level getting to the point of your rating, but you were. <laughs> hey, who, who you didn't show, mention whose show is this? You, you didn't mention uh, was it Wheel of Fortune or whatever I it did, was? I didn't mention Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> I, whatever it was, the game show he mentioned in his uh, in his rating. But um, okay, I mean, I don't think we're that far apart in our opinions on this. No, I think no. just I just think it's a baseline you enjoy and have seen this movie more than me. Where to yes. me, like I said, I was kind of like, all right, this is my first viewing since you know, 20 years since I saw it. So yeah, I would say that's the difference is I like movies like this and I'm willing to look past the plot issues. Whereas, you know, you're not necessarily as willing to look past the plot issues. Not in, not as a rule, but in this movie, I wasn't right. Cause okay. you, you know, you hate stuff like this. Like real, real, like a lot. You hate it. And you just, yeah. I'm a real, and sometimes, I'm a real... sometimes you just hate on things to hate on things because, uh, you know, you're drinking your haterade. That's what it is. It's true. I'm super thirsty. You're super so. thirsty, thirsty for for haterade. You gotta get that. Get that. Gotta quench that hate thirst. Hate thirst. Because because all those all those crime balls have got you worked up. <laughs> I get so worked up about crime balls, dude. I just gotta drink some haterade and calm down. <laughs> uh, crime balls. Oh boy. Crime anyway. Balls. Uh yeah. Anything else you want to talk about with this movie? You sure? Not really. No, we covered it. We're good. All right. Um, I, I will just say, as I keep mentioning, we are very close now to episode 200 of this very podcast. I think this is episode 197. That is correct. So stay tuned in a couple of weeks for the episode 200. We got a great movie lined up. And Man, not only that, I'm, 198, 199 are going to be fun. It's true. They're, they're, they're two. Really fun movies, uh, and then 200 is going to be fun. We'll make sure to get some uh, some fan favorite guests on for 200. And if we can, I got, we're time. still working on scheduling that. That's true. Well, I know one that I've already got committed. So mm, yeah, we'll have to figure that out because we we'll talk. We'll talk after. <laughs> we'll talk after. We got we to work on that. Yeah, but anyways, uh, so stay tuned in a couple weeks for episode 200. Uh, what else do you want to mention, uh, LBJ? Discord. Go to GameZillaMedia.com. Scroll to the bottom of the page, I say it every week, and click on the Discord button. And you can join our Discord, and you can chat with us, and you can tell Joe how much you love Crime Balls as much as he does. Mmm, <laughs> Crime Balls. It's, you can also tell LPJ how much you love uh, E.T. like he does. That's not true. Um, you can definitely tell Joe how you like to hold your crime balls in your hands and roll them across the floor. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what other kinds of Joe. What other kinds of things do you like to do with your crime balls? <laughs> That's I, I, that. You know what? Join the Discord and find out. <laughs> That's a good tease right there. Yeah, if, there you go. if there's any reason to join our Discord, it's to talk to us about crime balls. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> oh, God. All right. 
Glitch, if you're listening, which I know you are, I better see that Crime Balls emote soon. Uh, anyway, uh, you can check us out on all of our social media sites. So Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and uh, the website, GameZillaMedia.com. And that's pretty much it. Anything else uh, I don't have the time for? Yeah. Oh, excellent. Well, uh, all right. Is, is, I there got any, nothing is there anything you want to plug personally? You a favorite a favorite spirit you're into currently? Mm, no, not really. I mean, there's still just really like the five main spirits. So, I mean, <laughs> I don't I don't really drink vodka. You know, bourbon whiskey is probably the best. So, particular you brand go. you like? Anything you want to plug? Maybe we'll get some free shit. Um. Thanks for selling right. it. You're doing a great job. Thank <laughs> you. We're really working hard, getting some free shit. Well, you you just dropped this on me. Next time, I'll have a, I'll be prepared to plug something. Look, all you got to do is pick one. You just got to say, "Oh yeah, I really love this uh, Maker's Mark. It's the the drink of Last Action Podcast." Oh, well, there you go. I actually have a lot of bottles of booze in my apartment, but no Maker's Mark. So, <sighs> see. There it is. You just ruined it. We just lost that sponsorship. Damn it. There goes our Maker's Mark sponsorship. Great. Well, anyway, this episode of the Last Action Podcast has been terminated. But we'll be back with with Crime Balls. No Maker's Mark. Crime Balls.